Welcome to Herman Legend with your hosts, Mark Wash, Neil and Chris, and Hello and welcome to episode one, series four of Urbane Legends. Welcome back. And as you can see, uh, Neil and I have moved from the Wild Wild West into the future. We're dancing along that timeline. Uh, I am, as always, uh, highly augmented uh, sex worker, Chris Flynn. And with me is my co-host, heavily chipped uh, cyber doctor, Mr. Neil Herbert. Hi, Neil. How's the future treating you? Oh, it's pretty cyber. It's, it's good it. word, isn't it? You just put cyber in front of anything. Yeah, lovely. Um, yeah. I mean, the of... cyber chips, <laughs> futuristic Tabasco. Yeah, you're having your um, cyber coke. Yep, cyber coke. It's uh, cyber yeah. Worcestershire floors, sauce flavoured. <laughs> sorry, I was just cyber enunciating. I thought that in the cyber future, the only thing which you could eat was Chinese food. That's uh, what I understood. Well, no, turns out. That's did, did so you, often, our you, predictions of the future. Anyone who's enjoyed Tomorrow's World back in the 80s, you know, you know, quite often these predictions of the future come back to bite us. You know, it's it's mostly uh, pot noodles. Pot, well, that's a kind of that's Chinese kind of, food. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's a yeah. kind of futuristic Chinese yeah. food, isn't it? The pot noodle. Ultra-industrialised. They've just, you know... Um, for our American friends, you probably don't get... Basically, what pot noodle is, is... Uh, what you call ramen noodles, I would guess. It's a ramen noodles in a pot, but it's made by some British company, and it's like eating elastic bands. Oh, many a drunken night I've enjoyed a pot noodle. <laughs> it's basically, if you can't afford a kebab on the way home, you go down the gar- uh, petrol station at 3 o'clock in the morning and pick up a pot noodle instead. Lovely. And so um, what kind of... Uh, Beef-type flavour. Mm. Beef-style flavour. <laughs> Beef-style noodle-style. Um, so what kind of uh, cyber-doctoring have you been doing digitally recently? Um, disturbing, though, there's been a lot of people who want to have invisibility implants. Really? You know, with, with, with the night vision enhancement. So I'm not sure what that's all about. Oh, dear. It's not the sound of it, but it's not it's not the cyber doctor's uh, place to judge, is it? Absolutely not. That's the Hippocratic oath, isn't pull it? up the schlaps. I mean, that's what we call them. You know? Yeah, for some, cred- for some credits. Yeah. Lovely. I was going to do a bit of a clockwork orange language there as well, but I thought, yeah. You sorted my, um, my augmentations for my sex work as well, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, working out well. Your, your multi-organ thing that you've got down there. <laughs> My multi-tool. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is, like, most of the work is just, um, I just plug a USB in the back of someone's head and then um, they, do, they do all the sex stuff in their head. So it's actually quite, it's quite an easy job, to be honest. You know, the, the cyber johns. Yeah. That's all they're after, really. Well, you know, that and a little cuddle. Yeah, a little cuddle at the end, a little cry. Perfection, you know. Yeah. Talk um, about what ails them. Silicon tears. Yeah. Lovely. Um, I believe... A bit of Vaseline that's giving space <laughs> at the same time. Do you, do you remember, like, back in back in uh, 25 years ago, do you remember... Before, before the... Um, before the before Cyber Wars. Wars. Yeah, before the Cyber Wars, yeah. Do you remember... Um, uh, before before was... McDonald's and Budweiser created World War Three? 
Do you remember there was a World Cup starting? Yeah, well, that was what caused it, wasn't it? <laughs> that was what Bob caused it. I would sell their, their delicious £12 a pint beers, but McDonald's would still have their filthy burgers. That was it. Bob, Bob, Bob Weiser sent in the, the Budweiser in fleet the fan into, zone. into Qatar, yeah. didn't they? It was very ahead of its time, that World Cup. It was, you know... Yeah, they bombed it. <laughs> they bombed it with the backing of um, with Joe Biden backing them, I believe. Yeah, because he because he loves a bird blazer. Oh. Do you love? Like did you when they used to exist? Did you like bird blazers? Um, it wasn't my favourite bit. I mean, if we're talking about the original check one, that was quite nice, was it? No, we're not. I we're talking about, we're the... talking about the rice broods. <laughs> <laughs> it's, abomin- it's abomination, let's be honest. It's, it's not I nice, do. Like, so... I like a lot of American beers, but um, Budweiser is, I don't know, it's it's tasteless. It is quite tasteless, fine. isn't it? Yes. But then that's because you used to, when the country still existed, because obviously now it's just part of Mega City One, you used to like the Belgian beers, didn't you? I did, yeah. So, yes, you know, it's a, a shame. It's a shame. shame I'm delicious. somebody who thinks pot noodles take nice. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like I'm particularly highfalutin. My palate is not terribly refined. It was a shame when, uh, when all of Europe got absorbed into Moscow, wasn't it? Well, it was inevitability, I think, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Didn't matter, you know. Wasn't any worse, was it? Wasn't any better? Putin yeah. land, as they call it now. <laughs> Putin C1. <Yeah. laughs> cool. North, as they call it. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone's uh, enjoys our new new theme tune. It's pretty uh, it's pretty dubstepy. So um, that's the most futuristic music that I know. Um, well, we're here all. in the future, so we, we should, you know. That's what we listen to. That's yeah. like classical music to us. Exactly. Um. So, future Neil, um, what are we talking about today? Well, we're, we're going to go. Is it, gonna, is it going to be a big one? It's it's it is a big one. It's a, it's one I've heard of, which so you know it's going to be a big one. And it's do you know what? It's a little bit cyberpunk itself. Really? Well, just imagine, Chris. Just imagine. I'm trying. You could make a ship disappear and reappear somewhere else using what? the power of physics. The power of physics. Yep. The most powerful of all the sciences. Oh, indeed. So uh, you talked today about well, gone. No, I was just going to say I, I can't imagine that. Can't imagine that. No. Well, imagine no longer, or don't imagine no longer, as you prefer, because we have to talk about. Let's talk about the Philadelphia experiment today. Oh, I think I've heard of that one as well. well. I think you probably have. Yeah. So it's I think like teleportation or some shit. Yeah, I kind of knew the. I knew the sort of. I've heard of it. And I knew the sort of rough outlines. I think I got most of my facts from the video game Red Alert Two. Oh, okay. Um, I believe I believe Nikola Tesla um, <laughs> invented some sort of electrical thing that made ships disappear so that they could invade um, the Russians, as played by Tim Curry and some cohorts. If I'm oh, okay. correctly, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a it's a it's a good resource. Yeah. Well, here's an even better resource because we're going to go on Discovery UK for my fans. Oh. Filed under mysteries, Chris. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's nice. What is the true story of the Philadelphia experiment? I don't know, but oh. I hope you're going to tell me. Well, if, if anyone if anyone could tell you, it'd be the uh, Discovery Channel, wouldn't it? Or Discovery UK. I assume they're affiliated. I don't know. So this is, this is quite a fresh one, actually. Christmas 20th of May, 2022. Oh, okay. All of the top, you know, all of the up-to-date info, you know, any, any, any new stuff that's come to light. Have it'll, they had, it'll be have, here. Have they had their top people on it? 
I would imagine so. Oh, there's no byline, so I don't know who wrote this, so apologies to whoever, um, but um, they don't put your byline on. That's suspicious. Do you reckon yeah. it, it was written by an AI? Well, I mean, I would hope so, but it's... Um, it's very cyber. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Invisible ships, aliens, top secret missions, a government conspiracy, and Albert Einstein. The Philadelphia experiment had it all. That's, I mean, tick, that's ticking all of our podcasts' uh, MO boxes, isn't it? I mean, I could do with a ragtime band in there as well if I'm being honest, <laughs> Fair enough. It had, it had most of it, let's put it like that. But was the story of the USS Eldridge a hoax or science fiction brought to life? Dun, dun, dun. Science fiction brought to life is kind of more fact, isn't it? Anyway, whatever. <laughs> it's just science. It's just science, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, so the Philadelphia Experiment, sometimes known as the USS Eldridge Conspiracy, I mean, by who, but anyway, whatever, um, has all the trappings of a sci-fi blockbuster. Indeed, it became the subject of one starring Michael Pare in 1984. Ooh. So apparently there was like a, a, a not terribly good film made in the uh, mid-80s called The Philadelphia Experiment, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. So... If it's to be believed, this top-secret test of alien invisibility technology was carried out at the height of the Second World War under the direction of Albert Einstein himself, ending in both success and catastrophe. Oh, well, <laughs> which one? Well, I suppose, it, you know... You'd think that those are mutually exclusive parameters, but apparently not. Well, you know, it's like if you're doing testing or something, you know, it could have got 50%, could have got the main bits right. So the system stands up, but... Well, you know, at the sprint retrospective, now obviously <laughs> half of the team won't be here. Now, thinking the UI was good, you did kill half the team. Do we want to unpack why that maybe wouldn't have been optimal going forward? The UI works. Yeah, well, it does. You know, okay, well, there we go. Well, that was my job. Um, <laughs> yeah. If, if the test team was wiped out by it, I don't see why well, that's my problem. Yeah, it works now, though, yeah? Right, fine. Do I see a requirement about everyone coming out alive? Because <laughs> you can show me that requirement. <laughs> right, so if it's deemed a hoax, it is one whose ramifications have been long-term and widespread. So which is it? And then there's a picture of a stamp with um, Albert Einstein on it. Oh, really? That's nice, isn't it? That's nice for him. <laughs> is he, it, it's, is he the, the queen of somewhere? Or the um, king? Well, yeah, the, the king of our hearts. King of all our hearts. In science, yeah. King of all our scientific hearts. Indeed. Our cyber hearts. The king of misattributed quotes and bullshit theories that he was supposedly involved in but wasn't at all. Not not, not that I want to say that that's anything to do with today's story, but just, you know, to acknowledge that quite often it's one of those, it's a bit like Shakespeare, people misattribute a lot of quotes and put them under Einstein. Because it makes you sound, it makes it sound, you know, more credible. He was a very smart gentleman. So, if you say so, are you not you're not convinced about that? No, he was. He um, never, never made much money, did he? No, and he was weak on quantum mechanics. Yeah, fuck him. Okay, that's your stance. All right, Musk. Um, <laughs> so, someone clever told me to say that. <laughs> 
So the Philadelphia conspiracy was an alleged top-secret government project codenamed Operation Rainbow, hmm. carried out under the auspices of Albert Einstein in accordance with his unified field theory. I mean, he did a lot of secret government work, didn't he, Einstein? Well, yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, He'd be, um, he uh, quashed that car which could run on water. Yes, yeah. He stopped that happening. He, um, he uh, developed and then hid uh, Nikola Tesla's death ray. I believe, I believe that's all true. Yeah. He decided it was too dangerous for man to... to invented, invented the fax machine. Yes, yeah. And the Walkman. That was his greatest invention. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, so... It's, it's, well, supposedly it's testing alien invisibility technology. I'm not sure where that sort of comes out from. But anyway, so... 1943, so you're in the middle of the World War Two, and the US the, is still an advantage. The World War Two. <laughs> the World War Two. yeah. Right, okay, In the midst than... of World War Two. Mm-hmm. The US was taking advantage to um, to help them win the Battle of the Atlantic. So one day that year, often cited as the 28th of 1943, the new tech was supposedly, I don't know why I'm speaking like The, 20, the new, 28th of what month? 28th of October, okay, 1943. Thank you. Just for my notes. Yeah. You come back and just sort of like, in case you need to interrogate. That's exactly plus it. examination at the end. Of course. Yeah. Permission to treat Neil as hostile. <laughs> <laughs> I'll allow it, apparently. I'm <laughs> not really bothered because I'm going to be handing out the judgment in this case. The new tech was supposedly fitted into USS Eldridge, which was docked at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. It said those on nearby ships witnessed the generators on the Eldridge begin to hum. A green-blue hue, some said a fog or a glow, emanated from the destroyer's hull, and in an instant, the ship simply vanished. Oof. That's That's creepy, isn't it? That is, yeah, that's... Um, and so well, there were witnesses, apparently. Yeah. Mm. And it said, the ship reappeared again just as suddenly, but only after it was spotted materialising out of thin air over 200 miles away at Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Virginia before okay. they embellished a second time. Well, so it kind of blinked to one and came back? Well, it, it doesn't say where it went after vanishing the second time, so we'll, we'll look for that. So if true, surely the Philadelphia experiment had been a resounding success. Not only did it render an entire cannon-class destroyer escort ship invisible, but it teleported it 200 miles away and back again. Oh, OK, this is back again. However, there was more to the story than simply this astonishing tale. Well, so I wouldn't... So I don't think it did render it invisible. It just teleported it. Well, there you go. You don't know, do you? Well, from what you've said... It just sounds like it teleported it to Norfolk. And yeah, then well, we back. don't know if it vanished or then teleported and then came back. So, so it's, it was set, so you think by this point, well, okay, that sounds like a resounding success. It so, sounds pretty good to me. You know, have take, they still got this technology? Take that, Jerry. How, how often are they using it? Is that what we well, use to defeat the Hun? We don't know. We don't know. They covered it up with a load of guff bat enigma machines. <laughs> they made, made a movie with Bon Jovi to throw people off the set. <laughs> no, wow. it was all about our invisibility Tesla chip <laughs> that Albert Einstein did. Our alien Tesla ships. Yeah. 
Yeah, with, with alien technology from Area 51, presumably. What was that after the Second World War? Oh, Roswell, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was Roswell in the 30s or was it after the war? It was remember. in the 30s or 40s, Roswell, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, so that would go. be, they would have uh, captured a Foo Fighter. Yes. Yeah. I say it's a Foo Fighter. It was becoming invisible. I, I <laughs> wow. say it. It's but you get some of those, those ballet toffs who put together the <laughs> bouncing barrel. You're some of this invisibility stuff. Make ship disappear. I won't know where to fire at it. I'll soon send them packing back to Berlin. This could be just the thing we need. Yeah, that clever chap here. Albert Einstein, is it? No. Sorry, I didn't have a look at it. Second. Seemed like a first-class SWAT. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> I don't know why it's now apparently like British. Involved with this, fair enough. Uh, it probably would have been a, some kind of old-school British general kicking about. Okay, so it said that classified military documents revealed far darker implications because when the USS Eldridge rematerialised in Philadelphia. Members of its crew suffered injuries ranging from minor to catastrophic. Oh, no, I don't like the sound of that. Nausea, Oof, disorientation. That is, that is catastrophic. Insanity. Yeah. <laughs> Third-degree burns. I'm another gone with third-degree burns before the insanity. There you go. And mysterious illnesses were all cited. Mm. The most alarming effects regarded crew being found fused to parts of the ship, some of oh. them still alive. What? So they were, like, stuck to it? Yeah, so apparently what's happened, they've phased in and out of reality. Yeah. And then some crew members have just gotten fused into all the bulkheads and stuff. What, so they're like stuck in the walls? Yeah, yeah. You're half man, half... <laughs> man or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I am now half man, half ship. Oh, I mean, so... I'd go with nausea, personally. That's all right. I mean, third degree burns if I have to, but... Uh, I mean... If, Presumably fusing with a ship would turn you insane if it didn't outright kill you. Um, I don't know. It depends what your life non-fused to a ship's like. Do you know what I mean? It could, yeah. actually, could actually be a bit of a... Blessed relief. Bit of, yeah, it could be good. I'll tell you what, being a bulkhead, it ain't the most bad <laughs> barrel of loss, but, you know, it takes, takes off some of the responsibility. <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad, to be honest. <laughs> get, get free square meals. Be sturdy and keep the ship up, so, you know. Yeah, uh, you know. You know, kind of in a very kind of Buddhist way, you you kind of feel at one with the ship, wouldn't you? Uh, no, I'd probably I mean, die screaming. But... <laughs> probably more likely. But... I mean, that's kind of the that'd way... Be which... very, that'd be an incredibly zen way to take it. <laughs> well, you know, fair enough. But that's kind pounds. of the way... That's kind of you know, way with... One minute, one minute, you're a <laughs> one minute. lucky sailor. Where I one minute, you're skipping it. You're fused with the radar. Down. Wow. Part of the rich tapestry of life. Yeah, it's all part of the universe, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but isn't that kind of end like, in sci-fi and stuff? You have kind of like living ships, don't you? Like and like Farscape and that. So yeah, I mean, if... I don't think this is like a, you know, <laughs> like Farscape. You don't think... I don't think that they were actually like you know like. They be- it became like a living ship or something. You don't like think that. that the ship became sentient? No, and, no. I don't, and I don't all, it's and huge, all their consciousness. The soul all, of all the sailors or something. All their consciousnesses kind of came together in a hive-style mind and then the ship became sentient. You yeah. don't think that's what happened? And then it, then it took off to space. Yeah. And, and it went became... to explore other planets. And it was like Herbie. Yeah. 
Herbie. Just, that's what happened to Herbie. It's like actually a really tragic accident. <laughs> yeah, the was... mechanic is just fused with this. <laughs> fused with the, the engine of a. Well, he keeps beeping beetle. and stuff. He's just screaming in pain. Kill me. Beep, beep, beep. Shenanigans and antics. Just... That's why he's constantly doing all the dangerous driving. Yeah. Because he's trying to, trying to end it all. Unfortunately, he's been taken over by a little kid and some alcoholic. Can't see the signs. Oh, I don't. I mean, I like. I like to think that the that the ship became sentient and uh, Herbie into space. But I mean, I'm I'm figuring it's more but, of a kind of. But we'll but we'll see where the story takes let's, us. Let's still. see where it goes. Yeah, I, that, that's my that's my prediction, and I'm good at those. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're thinking, you're thinking, wacky shenanigans are going to ensue. So. I'm thinking Zen-like wacky shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. All oh, the admirals come to visit. <laughs> the ship's alive. It's going to start being appropriate. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> ship. <laughs> so, according to the story, there were many witnesses to the Philadelphia experiment. People who saw the ship's disappearance and reappearance, but yet. Only one witness came forward, and it wasn't until the 1950s that details began to emerge. Because well, they're probably going to keep it silent, aren't they? Because they've tried this, but there's obviously, you know... It, I mean, if you just had a load of people die in it, then you've probably written that off as a, you know... Yeah, you can only have one sentient ship, really. Because yeah. they're, they're difficult to control. They're, like, a, they're like wild steeds. Well, just because, you know, started reading a lot of Ginsberg poetry and stuff and became, you know, became a hipster... In fact, all information about... I think I might be mixing my ears up slightly. In fact, all information about the Philadelphia conspiracy derives from a single source. That's a name by the name of Carl Meredith Allen. Mm, Meredith? Yeah. That's well, um, interesting. Is that... Well, it was back in the day when, you know, people would get, you know... Um, it's a bit like, what's his face, John Wayne's. His real name is Marion something or another. Yeah. But he wanted to sound more butch, so... Well, he certainly was butch, wasn't he? Yeah. Butchest man you'll ever meet. Goddamn right. <laughs> Commie. <laughs> you single-handedly defeat communism, don't you ever forget it, Chris? I'm going to thank. Yeah, he certainly didn't use his studio contacts to get out of fighting in the war. <laughs> this is true. Oh, to be fair, you know, he was, he was more... Value- no, he... He didn't. He didn't get out of the front of the wall. I think, if I remember right, he he served with the um, I don't know what they were called, the entertainment division. Which stayed in Hollywood, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 1956, Carl Allen began writing what would be hundreds of letters to Morris K. Jessup, the author of a book called The Case for the UFO, from 1955. Okay. He went by the name Carlos Allende. Carlos Allende. He tried to convince Jessup to stop the research he was conducting on Albert Einstein's incomplete unified field theory. As part of this, he informed Jessup of the USS Eldridge conspiracy, claiming to have witnessed a test himself while working on a ship called the SS Andrew Furseth as a deckhand. <laughs> that reminds me of... Um... I'm pronouncing it Furseth? I don't know how you pronounce it. Andrew Furseth. That reminds me of one of the funny... Like, one of the funnier... Jokes on The Simpsons that I remember, which is when Bart goes to Australia and they have to airlift the whole lot out because he refuses to get kicked in the arse. And, uh, they're going, right, we're taking, and we're taking to the, you know, we're taking to the ship now. And Homer's like, 
Oh, is it an aircraft carrier? And he goes, no, it's the HSS Walter Mondale. She's a laundry ship. <laughs> <laughs> Love the idea of they're just being laundry ships. <laughs> so when Joseph attempted to get more information from Alan, he was unable to provide any evidence for his claims. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, around the same time, the US Office of Naval Research received an anonymous package labelled Happy Easter. Inside was a copy of Jessup's book, heavily annotated by what appeared to be three different contributors. Each in different shades of blue are referring to each other as gypsies. (laughs) What? Doesn't give any... So I like about these kind of articles. They say these really, really weird facts and don't give any enlightening going, right. information. And this is what I think about this one. Unlike this gypsy, different colour pen. Well, that gypsy's wrong because of this. <laughs> it's like, what? I, yeah, that is what it is, I guess. The notes within related to UFOs purporting to have knowledge of extraterrestrial life on Earth and suggesting that Jessup's research on unified field theory was too close to some alien technology. There are also several allusions to the Philadelphia experiment. You know UFOs, you know, like, like some, because there's a whole, like, there's UFOs kind of thing, or whatever, yeah. like, they've changed their name now to an identity, is it or something? Yeah, aerial yeah. phenomenon. Uh, air people, I think, isn't it? Unidentified air people. Yeah, um, it's unusual <laughs> air persons. Um, but there are some people who think that we're in contact with, like, aliens. I think, like, Dan Aykroyd, the... UFO yes, the, the reliably sane <laughs> perpetrator. He thinks uh, that like there's like six different races of aliens that we're in contact with. Like there's like yeah. look, makes if, sense. <laughs> it's more the merrier. It's right. <laughs> Make it seven or eight. It's, it's all of them. Right? Yeah. It's basically an intergalactic council that we're uh, yeah. currently in contact with. Oh god, it'd be like that awful Star Wars thing, isn't it? <laughs> just flying around on these fucking things. I don't know that one. It was one of the terrible prequel things. Oh, okay. There's just a load of like fucking CGI aliens just riding up and down on scooters while uh, Chewbacca growls and whatever. <laughs> the, so the evil guy just like <laughs> really potentiously is like, oh, thank you for handing me all of the power of the military universe. <laughs> I promise you. I <laughs> <laughs> it starts going off for a real Hitler-esque rant and you're like mm, I wonder and in fact we know this foretells things because we already know how the story goes anyway enough of that so um, in a strange twist that served only to enhance belief in the Philadelphia conspiracy two agents at the ONR took it upon themselves to privately print many copies of the annotated book which became known in certain circles as the Varro version Mm. What they just got photocopied it? Yeah, I don't know. Or they just—I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what your version of kind of like scanning and printing is in those days. Uh, carbon paper. Yeah, Britain just had one of those. Yeah, that you used to have for checks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's where all that goes. There's a slightly disjointed article there. So, okay, so now we're in a... No wonder they didn't put their name on a byline. Yeah, I was going to say. Investigating the Philadelphia conspiracy. So, in 57, ONR invited Jessup to view the annotated copy of his book. He confirmed the annotations matched the handwriting in Alan's letters. 
And it's since been confirmed that Alan sent the package to the ONR in 69. He even admitted to writing all of the annotations, all three. Ah, oh, okay. So he tried to make it look like there were three people. There were three different people. It's cunning, isn't it? But unfortunately, his um, wild, like, hatred of gypsy <laughs> <and lame people, laughs> crawled into his annotations and provided a clue that this was, A, not the most hinged of personalities, and B, uh, might be the same person writing all of them. But all he wanted to do was scare the hell out of Jessup and deter him from continuing his investigation of unified field theory. Why? He viewed it as dangerous. He viewed it as dangerous. Yeah. It's like, you know, carry on down this path, you're going to end up getting fused to a bus or something. <laughs> fused to your lawnmower, mate. <laughs> You've seen my mother the car. It all looks like hilarious shenanigans, but I believe you and me. It's no, it's no life. So he kind of took it. So he, he hoaxed it up to try and set, to get him off the scent of looking at the unified field theory. Well, I don't know about you, Chris, but this, this Carlos Allende, a.k.a. Carl Allen, mm. sounds like he's on the up and up to me. So. Yeah, I mean... It, I, I see no reason to mistrust him. It doesn't at all sound like, actually, he probably has multiple personality disorder and wrote <laughs> all the notes as different people and all the personalities hate each other and call each other gypsies. Oh, that'd be, it'd be that'd be an even better uh, side to the story if that had happened. Well, do we know that we it didn't? We don't. We don't. We don't know that it didn't. I mean, nobody mentions it. You think they would have done? But um, mm. so, anyway, who, who was Carlos Allende, aka Carl Allen? For a long time, that answer was as elusive as the man himself. Mm. In fact, nothing was known about him until a journalist called Robert German wrote about the man in 1980. German realised an old family connection with Allen interviewed the man's family, who described him as a creative and imaginative loner. Ah, it's always good to This is what they do. This is what they do, you see, though, Chris. If you want to, you know, if you want to... Discredit someone. Discredit someone, yeah. Call them a loner. Cover up the source, yeah. Would you say that I'm a creative loner, Neil? It would take out the creative and imaginative (laughs) parts. Yeah, Yeah. it's like a glove. Lovely. Yeah. Replace it with sad and whiny. Yes. <laughs> well, you know. Hey, look, we've all got our own personalities. Yeah, you know, we're all we're all God's beautiful creatures. Some more irritating <laughs> than others. <laughs> he loves us all equally. Well, you know, not, 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 really, not really. Not equally. <laughs> not equally. I mean, no one, no one loves their kids equally. Yeah. Apparently, he also had a history of mental illness, which he speculated might have been behind any fabrications that may or may not have occurred. Mm, maybe. So, it's captured the imagination of the ufologist community for many years. Everything does. <laughs> yes, they don't tend to have a terribly high bar for needing <laughs> evidence, do they? That sounds plausible. So they were so overwhelmed with the constant inquiries about it that in 1996 they released an official statement completely denying the event, stating, we have never conducted any investigations on invisibility, either in 43 or any other time they were established in 46. In view of present scientific knowledge, we do not believe that such an experiment could be possible except in the realm of science fiction. And the same statement provided theories as to the origin of the ideas behind the invisibility thing. Because um, there was some real research at the Philadelphia Navy Yard at the time into rendering ships undetectable to radar. Yeah, painted black. Yeah, or this is what they called degaussing, which I think is something to do with um, it's the shape of the ship. electrical field to stop oh, the, okay. uh, the yeah, stop the, stop the ping. 
Don't they like to make things weird to radar now? You kind of have to do your ships or planes at weird angles, don't you? It, it's a particular shape because I think. Well, I don't know how radar works. I'm not going to pretend to, but I think it's. It, I assume it's like um, sound bouncing off or something like that. And yeah, they just detect it a bit like like bat have sonar or something, I guess. Um, or the, how that their kind of natural thing works. So I assume if you're if you yeah, make like it stealth, such... stealth fighters, if you've done it in such a way, then it won't it won't um, ping back or something. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's it. Would be my limited understanding, but I don't know. If that's yeah. Lots of triangles. Yeah. So for a long time, it was widely accepted the Philadelphia experiment was a fake, sometimes referred to as USS Eldritch hoax. However, it was revived by the emergence of another alleged secret experiment, the Montac experiment project. Excuse me. The Montac. Say again, it's going to be another one. I pronounced this wrong, but M O N T A U K. Montauk. Montauk. Montauk project. Instead of invisibility, this time it was time travel, and in place of Einstein, <laughs> Wilhelm Reich and Nikola Tesla. Hey. <laughs> Doesn't explain why that they, those two things were linked, but there you go. The gangs are here now. Well, Tesla well, involved as well. Tesla died ages ago, or did he? Well, did he time travel to. I don't know, maybe that's, maybe time travel. Yeah, he died in New York in the 50s, I think. Was it that late? Yeah, he died, he, he sort of, well, he, um, the end of his life, he kind of like. Yeah, he was just on He didn't make much money. He, he like never made money out of his. Um, no, he just looked after, he was looked after pigeons. Yeah, so he kind of like, uh, and you know, uh, a lot of his stuff that did he A, couldn't sell it and B. Um, well, Edison fucked him over well, loads. Edison fucked him over massively. Because, um, yeah, he actually came out with... Oh, no, 43, actually. 43. Oh, OK. That's later than I thought. I thought he died in, like, yeah. the 20s or something. Yeah, no, he was, he was um, yeah. Oh, OK. He was, he was in his 80s then already, so, yeah. Well, that's when you've, you know, that's when you're at your, your peak. You've got all the knowledge at that point, haven't you? So you can um, you can lean on all of the stuff you've learned and go, right, time travel. Yes. Tesla coil. Tesla coil. Tesla I'm use them to, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to start in a uh, cutscene of a poorly rendered video game. That'd be good. Life's <laughs> ambitions fulfilled. He's in quite a lot of computer games, to be fair. He's kind of like, like, he's kind of, um, I don't know. People who like alternative history. Well, he's like a pop culture. I mean, the thing is, he did loads of amazing things. Like, I mean, like when he did, he he like created like effectively a Wi-Fi. Yeah. Like you know, a remote control boat with electricity, and supposedly people around at the time just thought it was like witchcraft and all of this because it was just yeah. so ahead of what anyone anyone could perceive. Um, it was obviously quite sort of natural. Well, he was kind um, of a he was a he was a genius, and yeah, but he was kind of halted at most turns by uh by Edison and slightly he had no gift for business. Edison was very good at publicity and slightly um, his own hubris as well. Yeah, potentially. I mean I was getting I got the impression Nick Tesla was just kind of like very smart guy who kind of like had all these brilliant dreams to sort of like um bring electricity to the masses. But hmm. um you know, obviously it was kind of like nobody was interested in doing that because when no, profit. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, great. We could give all this free electricity using these sort of like, you know, Niagara Falls to all the people, but mm. yeah, no, maybe, maybe we won't. Um, there you go. 
Let's have a look, see if it's, sorry, go on. I was just going to say better to just burn some fossil fuel. Yeah, it'd be fine, wouldn't it? And what could happen? I mean, it's not like in 80 years time, it's going to destroy the planet or anything like that. <laughs> and it all sounds a bit communist, it's giving away free electricity. Let's just see, so that's a discovery article. Let's see if there's some, some other bits and pieces, because it, it's, you know, it's hedging its bets. Was it true? Wasn't it true? I'm going to see if we can find a little bit more about this, um, Carlos Allende. So if you were to fuse with any uh, thing, what would it be? So, so assume that I can do it in a way that's like nice or whatever. Yeah, like I'm not like I'm not not painful. It just hmm. power drill. No, I think that get. I think it'd be, I think it could be like. Um, Airplane, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be all right. Well, first I was thinking maybe musical instrument, but <laughs> I wouldn't want to get tucked away in a box after playing. <laughs> um, but no, airplane, because you can you can go and fly in the sky and stuff like that. That'd be good. Yeah, it would be good. Arrow flight. Nice. Yeah. Mind you, I don't know what don't know what the shelf life is on the average plane. You get about 20, 30 years out of my space. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be one of those airplanes, which like a an old Spitfire, which is just in a museum, it's just restored for yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be good, my, wouldn't it? My head coming out of the tone. Yeah, yeah, like like a be non terrifying, like, like a te- like a terrible Thomas Tank engine. Yeah, let's <laughs> be honest, Thomas Tank engine is kind of terrible. Yeah, that'd be a thing, wouldn't it? You just get your face like you smashed on the front quite of a big them. mug let's get me used <laughs> onto the front of a train this is this is what Thomas the Tank Engine looked like in real life fuck <laughs> you know it's just, just screaming ah, yeah. ah. <laughs> you know something out of a China Meville novel yeah <laughs> how about yourself um flashlight <laughs> Looking disapprovingly at people about to use it. Yeah, like that. that's not, that's not a bad idea. Um, no, I don't want to go down the sexual route because it's too easy. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe a boat of some sort. Yeah, be nice, wouldn't it? Pottering around the sea. Go oh, I'm going to call Boaty McBoatface. He was doing boat, a lot of yeah. exploring. Yeah, do and then I give it a good reason. Go, oh, look, I've got done one better. The British public, we're going to rename it Boaty McBoatface, and then we're going to put a McBoat on it. Yeah, I think that'd be all right. Wouldn't it be in a boat, um, like round the Caribbean or around the Mediterranean or something? Quite nice, nice vibes. You know, nice. Um, the you'd be able to sleep really easily because of the rocking of the waves, bow waves. Yeah, and you know, I would imagine that the mental anguish would be under having been melded with a with a machine then you'd probably need some help sleeping so yes so the rocking of the waves would probably maybe mean that you could um dream slash have nightmares um but at least you know not go mad through lack of sleep if you need to sleep i don't know i've not looked i've not looked at the contract i presumably you need to sleep well, I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, get to see a lot of nice stuff. I would think. I think these are more being fused, like the um, what was that? Well, like night, like night rider. I've oh, got. Do, do you think that's what happened with night rider? 
Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. The Philadelphia experiment is up a year. The lot, it was Camp a English Trans Am or something. <laughs> Camp English yeah. went into a Trans Am. We met in a, met in a bar. <laughs> oh, how, just, oh, hello, Michael. Oh, Michael. <laughs> I need you to come around and see what was to jail, buddy. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Michael, Michael catfished him. <laughs> Hi, Michael, where are you? Well, no, it was that ah. Miles, Miles Knight, wasn't it? Miles Knight, yeah. No, what, what, half of what's going on in the back of that fucking van. Well, I want to know. I've heard he's got a private islands. Probably the mechanics if, seen a lot of things going on. If you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. It's modelled on a, a real-life character, we won't know. <laughs> no, I'm going to go there. Oh, dear. So I'm just going to have a quick look at you. We'll look through the, the wiki then and see if we can find some more. Wiki, the source of truth. Source of justice. Yeah. The source of punishment. Okay, this is just about the film. So let's, let's see the actual experiment. Oh, they did a Philadelphia experiment too. Really? How? 1993 American science fiction film, sequel to the 84... Brand new cast. Would have to be. It's nine years after the. He's in financial trouble. Who is? So he has to rejoin the navy. I don't know whoever was in the first film. John, Phil- John Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Miles Philadelphia. <laughs> Randy Philadelphia. Oh, there's an engineer who's son of a Nazi scientist mm-hmm. who's working on a similar project, presumably involving Tesla. And he beams a model aircraft across a room. He tries to convince them that technology is too dangerous to use. And they won't listen, will they? Yeah, no, they use it on an F-117 Nighthawk then, Chris. And then he finds himself in a different 93 when Nazi Germany won World War II. <laughs> Man in the High Castle bit. Yes. That series got boring. I never watched it. I just assumed it was... I mean, I, it's one of those things, it's an interesting high concept, but how long can you carry that on for? I don't know. I, don't, I, got, I got two series in and then was like, oh, yeah. I can't watch anymore. Did that put Hauer in it? No. I'm making it up. Who was in it? Anyone, anyone I know? No. No, fair enough. Because it was, wasn't it based on a book by um, what's his face, Philip K. Dick? Possibly one of his less odd premises. Anyway, yeah, yeah. No, I never. It looked like one of those ones. That sort of a load of stuff on Netflix at the time. It's kind of like, oh, that could be interesting, but uh, I don't know. I can't, can't even make head or tail of what happens in this film. But um, anyway, the Nazis won the World War. I think. Oh, and there's a, there's a 2012 film as well with Michael McDowell. Now, I thought there was a recent one. Oh, that might be getting a watch. <laughs> it's free on any stream. Malcolm McDowell, I'm watching. I'm up in any, anything, especially a good cheesy movie. Yeah, so, I mean, this is quite a famous one, and all of the evidence seems to just come from some guy who's thing. quite clearly not that, you know, much more... Yeah, because all the rest of it, apparently. So there's a book, a book published in 1978 
that also um, creates a bit more of a thing. But it, again, it just seems to have been picked up by ufologists who who popularised it and people who came in. Oh, there's another large-scale popularisation of the story it came about in 1979 when the author Charles Berlitz, who'd written a best-selling book on the Bermuda Triangle, mm-hmm. we'll be covering that someday in the future. I'll the world is. And his co-author, ufologist William L. Moore, right. published the Philadelphia Experiment, Project Invisibility, which purported to be a factual account. Um, it expanded on stories of bizarre happenings, lost unified field theories, and government cover-ups, all based on the letters from Allende Strathallan. So it's all basically so, all of it is just based on this... All goes this, back to this one this guy. Pop guy. Yeah. Um... So that so that's it. That's where it comes from, really. Well, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and there's and there's. I mean, the whole UFO. Wanna... I don't know why the UFO people jumped on it. Is it literally because what? Because in the book he says they used alien technology to try and do this experiment. Is that the UFO part of it? Because it's not like a UFO made it disappear or anything. It's. Well, no, yeah, because it's supposedly using alien technology. Yeah. So obviously, if, if you were able to do something that breaks the laws of physics as we know them, yeah. or could you know help to a breakthrough in physics, then it gives some credence to UFOs um, being able to get yeah, here. Yeah, that you, there's there's the existence of alien technology, I suppose. It's not. A, it's not um, like a big UFO one, is it? No, it's not. And it, it's also there's, there's there's a bit more here about actual naval experiments we're doing at the time. So. Personnel at the 4th Naval District have suggested the alleged event was a misunderstanding of routine research during World War II at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. Um, so they were using these degaussing experiments that could have the idea effect of making a ship undetectable to magnetic mines rather than radar. Um, so basically, because um, the Germans, you know, yeah. they had drawn to try and get you know, they would just, um, yeah, it would stop, stop them from, from hitting the ship. demagnetised the hole. Yeah. So it's invisible to um, minds, you know, minds rather than to uh, invisible humans. <laughs> yeah, and then you potentially also the green thing could have been a St. Elmo's fire um, thing if someone had seen something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if there's any actually witness credible witnesses who who, who sort of saw any. Of that. But that's all right. There's something else in here as well about how apparently they can use canals and stuff to go from one place to another. They can appear in one place like much quicker than they would normally. So it would take hours rather than days to yeah just to get from Virginia to Philadelphia or whatever. That's about it. That's kind of it. Yeah, it's um, it's really not a lot of um, yeah. I was a bit disappointed, really. I thought that there'd be more um, there'd be more uh, you know more more substance to uh, to, to, to the thing. I mean, because you've got. <clears throat> the face of it, you've got a lot of kind of like um, witness evidence and all the rest of it, but actually it's all just based on uh, one person who's of dubious um, provenance um, claiming all these things. Um, I mean, one of the things as well, because you're talking about this sort of why the ufologists jump on it, one of the things, theories as well, about why it's become so widespread and kind of popular is the kind of the whole um, imagery about people becoming fused into the ship, quite horrific. Yeah. I mean, it's become a bit more of a staple of cheesy sci-fi now. But well, um, it's an original idea. This is, this is, yeah, presumably this was the original kind of source of that. Yeah. Um, because at the time, it was quite, you know that's quite original, and quite horrific. So you know that makes it stick in people's heads, yeah. and um, you know, yeah, you know, just it's another one of those things that gives it gives it that little twist. It, that, well, uh, a good idea is a good idea, Neil. <laughs> yeah, you know, fair play. Well, I think I think all um, time. You know, Carl Allen should have written a. Uh, a sci-fi novel, yeah, 
or started a religion. <laughs> well, I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. You're not mutual, well, as we know, yeah. Okay, Neil. So let's go through our scoring system. So yes. uh, let me know what you think of its spookiness. Um, so, yeah, I think that this, it's quite high on the spooky uh, trail here. So there's a few different elements. It's, you know, it's that idea that you, you may be using some technology that you don't fully understand and it all goes horrifically wrong. And then, uh, I mean, I mean, especially around that time as well, you've probably got a lot of um, people who are worrying about the kind of like, you know, the experiments going on with nuclear weapons and things like this. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, at the forefront of technology that we barely understand and has ramifications that people just, you know, in the pursuit of some kind of weapon, maybe don't fully understand. So, but yeah, and then, but then in a very visceral way where people have been sort of killed by getting melded into the ship and, you know, be a pretty horrific way to die. So... Yeah, I think there's, it's it's um, got quite a high spookiness rating for me, so I'm going to give it an eight. Eight, okay. Yeah, so I agree. It's kind of um, during that time, technology was moving quite fast, and um, obviously, <clears throat> stuff like the nuclear experiments, they're kind of because they got all the right people in the right room and funded it, they kind of got that done very quickly. And it was something which was an incredibly difficult thing to do. So you can see why you would think that the impossible may be possible with enough kind of will. And that was kind of what was happening during the war. Um, yeah, and people dying during the experiment because they weren't necessarily uh, doing their proper health and safety checks, I guess. But um, yeah. So uh, I'm... Would you like to wander the floors when we're um, putting on the invisibility fields? <laughs> Would you listen, Phil? Yeah, why were you leaning against that wall? I told you not to. Now you're fused into the galley. But, but Admiral, why don't we just do it without any people on the ship? Shut up. Um, right, so I'm going to give it a six for spookiness. So believability. Um, well, there's nothing inherently supernatural about it, so that's good. But And, you know... It does rely on alien technology. <laughs> Apart from the alien technology. Yeah. Aliens aren't supernatural. They're natural. As natural as you and I. Um, just ask Ackroyd. Um, if, if you cut us, do we not bleed? <laughs> bleed well, no, acid. Few acid. <laughs> yeah. um, Type of bleeding, isn't it? So, um, and, you know, there were definitely experiments and stuff going on and, you know, kind of in a pseudoscience way, it kind of claims to have some physics around it. Um, did they break laws of physics? No, I don't think that that happened. Um, I mean, it's not the it's not the most unbelievable thing that I've heard. So I'm going to give it a seven nil. How about you? It's a mixed one for me because, as you say, there's there's not there's not anything that um, is massively unbelievable, and it is it's one where. I mean, the alien technology is the bit that you think is you could have told all of this story without the whole reliance on alien technology, which would take it up a mark for me. Um, because then you're adding in an extra layer of kind of like, you know, yeah, and crazy. You just want to, you know, you're just adding an extra layer of potential doubt and kind of like uh, things that may, but obviously, I see why, why that attracts some people. But, um, yeah, but having said that, you know. A lot of the things here, it's not about whether or not we believe they happened. It's kind of, are they inherently, you know, will people start to believe in them? 
Um, and it's not like one where it's just a campfire tale, you know, it isn't true. Right. You know, there's a lot of people who have invested a lot of time into investigating these things. It's dubious because obviously it doesn't come from a credible source, but they've, you know, they've had enough imagination and put enough little facts and things in there that they've made it sort of sound credible and it's, you know, convinced a lot of people. In fact, people are still still going on about it and tied it into some other mystery that's, um, you know, the same level of, of, of no facts, I imagine. So, yeah, given, given how many people buy into it, I'm going to give it a seven. seven. So, Neil, narrative premise. Um, yeah, I think it's not a bad one here, actually. So you've got, you know, you've got a war movie, you've got a sci-fi movie, you've got Albert Einstein. Oh. You, Tesla gets involved in some, some, some bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the tellings of the tale. Um, yeah, I think it's got, got quite a rich narrative premise, actually. Um, you could do, do a fair bit with this. I'm quite surprised. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to see what this film is like. Apparently it's not all, not much cop, but I think you could, I think you could do quite a good, um, Quite a good story out of this. Unfortunately, I've only ever seen the, as I say, the Red Alert Two version of that, uh, uh, which wasn't which was the best Howard thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be another quite high one for me here. So um, I'm going to give it. Uh, I'll give it another eight. Another eight. Um, yeah, I think it's got a decent narrative premise. It's um, it's original, so that's a good one. And you know, the people kind of fusing with the ship and it turning into kind of night rider thing. That's good. It's first kind of telling of that. Um, yeah. Um, you don't, before this, I don't think you got a lot of sort of teleportation stuff, you know, um, it was, it was pre, pre Star Trek, the original series. So, Probably something in HG Wells, something like that, maybe. I don't maybe. Know, he did time travel. I don't know about teleportation. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it it wasn't it wasn't mainstream like it is now. So yeah. I mean, there's a so what makes it high for me is there's a lot of firsts or nearly firsts in this story. Yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, it's got like a you know a, a cast of famous characters and alien shit and the war and everything. So yeah, I'm going to give it an eight as well. Nice. So, reach. Well, it's got a big reach. You've heard of it. That's always a good. That's always a. Yep. That's it's always a sign point. that it's got good reach. Um, it's got loads of films. It's been in computer games. It's been lots of books about it. I've seen seen it on History Channel documentaries. Um, Discovery website. Discovery website. Presumably, Discovery Channel's done many documentary about exactly. it. Exactly. Um, or the same thing. Discovery Channel and the History Channel. Are they two I think History Channel's owned by Discovery Channel. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I think it's got very good reach. Um, yeah, I mean it kind of it kind of ticks all the well most of the boxes. Um, so I'm going to give it an eight for reach now. Yep. Yeah, so kind of similar similar conclusion for similar reasons for me to be honest with you. Um, yeah, the fact that it's not only spawned a, a cheesy film in the 80s, but then got a sequel in the 90s um, with Malcolm McDowell, no less. Um, so you're talking, you're not talking straight to video nonsense there, people. Um, well, maybe you are, but it's got Malcolm McDowell in it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's going to be an eight for me as well. Okay, and that gives us an overall score, very high, of 60, which is a massive, massive score considering. I think it hits quite highly on all fronts, actually. It does, considering it's so thin. It's actually done, yeah. it's done, it's done very well for itself. It's pulled itself up by its bootstraps. <laughs> so this is an interesting one where it's um, one person's basically come up with this and managed to push it out yeah. there, um, you know, and but given it quite a lot of substance, um, whereas usually, you know, it will be sort of 
these things take on a life of their own. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's kind of um, one man's vision, isn't it, really, the whole thing? Um, Carl Allen should have been an author. Well, you know, if he'd been an author, would he have got as famous as he has by doing this? Probably not, depend, depending on the quality of the book. But, you know, he's done pretty well out of this. So, you know, if you're a kind of creative person, then you want to be remembered. And he certainly will be, I think. Starting in the same pamphlet. Starting in the same pamphlet. Why not? Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> on that on that note. Inspiration for us all. Exactly. Um, well, that's it. That's uh, the end of episode one of the new series. And uh, we'll be back, as always, regularly on Thursdays. The new cyber series. Your new cyber series, which we're sending back from the future. Um, So uh, we are actually, funnily enough, transmitting via unified field theory, but we can't can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. But we all we all learn it in school here. But believe you and me, being fused to a bulkhead, it'd be like a fucking picnic compared (laughs) to what happened. If you get this wrong, compared to the stuff you fused to me for my sex work. (laughs) Um, So. That's it for this week, guys. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and take care. And we'll see you next Thursday. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.